happy to be here today in the studio on Monday, October 26, talking with the superintendent of Roosevelt School District in South Phoenix, Arizona. Dr. Quentin Boyce served as a teacher, principal, executive director, and now superintendent. Originally from Chicago, Dr. Boyce has been in the superintendent role for two years now, and it has been quite the journey in such a short period of time. The timing to celebrate your work could not come at a better time. We're in the middle of an election year, a global pandemic, and school closures. And still, Dr. Boyce, you seem to find ways to be successful. Dr. Rommel, thank you. Thank you for having me. I am, I'm doing well. Uh, I appreciate the, the great and kind words. I appreciate the, the introduction. Uh, as you mentioned right now, the landscape is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, but doing well. I'm well. I'm excited. Uh, I'm encouraged for our community, our students, our families. We, we're doing some incredible work here in Roosevelt. So I'm happy to be here with you. I'll uh, be able to share some of the journey and the story of, of us. That's awesome because this is our second episode of our Be Boulder RSD podcast. It is such a pleasure to talk with you today. So let's just dive right in. Let's do it. I want to know a little bit about you. Tell me about your story <laughs> and your journey to Roosevelt. Absolutely. So great, great question. I appreciate getting to, to share my story. Actually, I'm born and raised uh, in Chicago. Uh, so I was born and raised in Chicago. I wanted to get out of Chicago when it was time for undergrad. I uh, had family here in Arizona, and that's what brought me to Arizona. So I was excited to make that that pilgrimage from, from the Midwest uh, out to the desert, uh, which was a brand new landscape for me. I came here. I went to ASU. I am a Sun Devil multiple times over. I uh, majored in science. I always thought I wanted to be a, a doctor. And it wasn't until my, my senior year uh, in undergrad, I spent a lot of time doing a bunch of outreach, big brother, little brother type work. Uh, and I actually mentored a, a number of high school students right here in South Phoenix, uh, right at South Mountain High School. And that that's actually when I fell in love with the idea of becoming an educator. And so had you, had you asked me when I was a a high school kid, uh, or even early on in my undergrad career, uh, if I would be an educator, a teacher, I would have laughed. Uh, it was definitely not on my my radar, my blueprint, my life plan. But once I had the chance to really develop some pretty cool authentic relationships with young people uh, through the guise of mentorship, it was, it was my calling. Uh, and I'm super happy that I was able to discover that at such a young age because it led me on to teaching uh, for over a decade before moving into administration. Uh, and just continuing the work that I get to do now uh, and watch it come full circle. I started I started the idea, fell in love with the idea of teaching right in South Phoenix. Uh, eventually became a teacher at South Mountain High School, which is right, right in that same community. And now being able to be a leader uh, of a school district that serves the same demographic, but on the front part of the academic experience, starting at preschool is a blessing uh, beyond anything that I could have imagined or wished for. So I'm super excited uh, to be here. And again, it's been, it's been a, a a very cool journey that I would have never, I would have never dreamed of. I need to go back and just kind of reiterate some of the things that I heard and uh, find Please. out a little bit more because I want to know what that journey was like coming yeah. from Chicago, where I know it can be frigid at times, and then moving yes. out here to the desert, where I know yeah. that we can turn up the heat in this area. <laughs> Tell me what that experience was like. It was crazy. So I, I moved out here. Uh, I'll never forget the day I moved out here officially. I, I, I did a bunch of visits in the wintertime, which was great to get away from Chicago, where to your point, we're talking, you know, freezing weather, ice and snow. 
And I, I did a lot of visits in, in the wintertime and I came here and the weather was great. So immediately I'm like, this is it. Like I have to get away from snow and ice. But then I moved here in the dead of summer. Uh, I, were, I, remember, I remember being on the airplane and we were making our final approach and the captain came on and talked about the local time. And he said the local weather was 120 degrees. I remember looking at the person next to me uh, saying, what, what did he just say? Uh, and so that was my introduction to the summer heat here in Arizona. And got, I got here immediately. It was, it was difficult. Uh, culturally, Chicago's a much different place. Geographically, it's a much different place. Uh, and it was all I knew. Uh, so when I got here, you know, it, it took a while for me to get acclimated to Arizona. Um, just culturally and, and geographically was much different than anything that I've been used to my entire my entire life. So it, it took some time. Um, so it's really interesting that you you know started out in a different major. Um, you went into science, but then all of a sudden mentored some students in South Phoenix. You made a difference. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. education became your path. Yes, it, it was crazy. I, I had an aha moment. I never, I'll never forget. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I really enjoy working with these young people, but I still have a, a I had a passion and have a passion for science. So I had the aha moment, like, how do I marry the two? I could be a science teacher. And I remember after just telling my family over and over again, like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a physician. Um, I, I remember being nervous to tell them that I want to be an educator. And because again, I was super clear and articulate, like I want to be a doctor, I want to be a doctor. And it was cool. I never forget, I had the conversation first with my mom and she, my mom's always been supportive of, of any and everything that I wanted to do and aspire for. And she said, no, baby, you do whatever you want to do. You go for it. I'm, I'm whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm right behind you. Uh, and then I remember having the conversation with my dad um, and I was, you know, I didn't know how he was going to respond. And again, he was like, hey, whatever it is you want to do, uh, I'm 100, as long as you can support yourself, I am 100% behind you. So that was for me a really big weight that was lifted. Uh, just because even when you think about, you think about our, 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 our national landscape, you know, at times people look at educators through this deficit perspective. And so even as a younger person, figuring out his calling and knowing that it was education, like I wasn't sure how my parents were going to perceive the shift from I want to be a doctor too. I want to be a teacher. Um, because again, just what that context is in our community, people sometimes, you know, that there's there's sometimes a deficit perspective when it comes to educators, specifically public educators in, in you know, in communities of color. So uh, I was super happy when I had that that full that full support from all of my families to really just kind of unleash and and just have this drive towards this new this new calling in life, which was to be a teacher. Yeah, well, we're happy that you made that shift because we definitely benefit from that. Um, so I just wanted to sh wanted to find out from you because, uh, you know, it seems as though you've had a lot of influence since you've been here. Did you pattern your career after a teacher that you had or a teacher that was really influential? You know what? I remember I had I've had been fortunate to have a, several really amazing teachers that stick with me to this day. Uh, I had a so additional background. Um, about me, I went to Catholic school my entire life. So from, from kinder to 12th grade, I went to private school. And the reason why is I was raised, it was predominantly just my mom. It was my mom and I, uh, and my mom's mom, my, my maternal grandmother raised me. And so we grew up in the inner city of Chicago. And, and unfortunately, the neighborhood options were not, were not awesome. 
And so my mom worked multiple jobs. And we talk about it to this day, like one of the best decisions she ever made when it came to me was the sacrifice of working multiple jobs to afford private school because the neighborhood options just weren't great. And, and to this day, I think about it like, had she not made those sacrifices, I think about, you know, some of the guys that I grew up with in the neighborhood and, and where they're at today. Uh, it may have been a, a much different outcome um, for me. And so going to private school, you know, most of my teachers were Sister Mary, you know, Sister Mary somebody. Uh, but I, I do remember I had one particular teacher in high school. Uh, her name was Miss Yak, and she was she was not uh, one of the sisters. Um, she was, you know, just a, a lay person. And uh, the connection that she made with with us as a class uh, was was pretty awesome. You know, she there was just a level of compassion and a level of care, this maternal, you know, this ma- maternal perspective that was really, really healthy and good. And uh, that was something that I, when I when I moved into the classroom as a teacher, uh, I tried to model my my behaviors and my pattern after. Uh, and it was really kind of a big turning mo- moment for me. And I was really I was so enamored by science. I loved science, and I think I became a really amazing teacher like Miss Yak, when I realized that while I love my content area, my content area was just simply a vehicle and a platform for me to make these really genuine, authentic connections with kids. They may or may not love science, but for me, science was a platform to make these really cool, authentic connections, just like Miss Yak made with us in our class. And so I modeled my, my, my pattern after Miss Yak. Let's turn the corner a little bit and talk about the Roosevelt School District because you put some um, incredible initiatives in place in order for your district to follow. So let's talk about that. Tell me about some of the initiatives that you put in place in order to support success in Roosevelt. Very cool. So, you know, getting getting to Roosevelt, when I arrived for me initially, it was all about just really understanding and learning the landscape. Um, so looking around and understanding context, immediately uh, identified there was some opportunity. Uh, there's also a really cool, rich history of phenomenal educators that care about their community, care about their students and families. Uh, before, again, I was I was in Phoenix Union High School District, which is just up the road. So on the peripheral, I had context of the community. But once I got here, my first charge was really just getting to know and starting starting some lis- listening sessions and opportunities to find out more. Uh, after after spending time doing that, I quickly identified there were a number of things that we could do right away um, to focus our, our our community to move forward and move you know from current state to, to good to great to amazing. And some of the things that we did right out the gate uh, was one had a had a pretty big focus on customer experience. You know, when we talk about customer experience, we talk about immediately we think about the external community, which will be our students and our families and our community partners. But in addition to that, you know, we are each other's customer. And so spent a lot of time with our district thinking about how do we frame an exceptional customer experience? This is something that's going to attract amazing adults to work with our kids. This is something that's going to attract families back to our community. Um, so we focused on that. An additional thing that we focused on was leadership development. Uh, and so we know that over time, we need great organizations have great leaders, and we want to build a very strong, intentional pipeline for leaders, uh, whether that's aspiring leaders, people coming from the teaching ranks, looking to move into administration, or even our support staff. How do we help some of our support staff move into a lead support staff role uh, or into a certified 
opportunity. Uh, so we've, we've started to flesh out an actual program, an intentional program for leadership development at all levels of our organization. Another initiative out the gate uh, during year one that we launched was professional learning communities. So one of the gaps, one of the opportunities in Roosevelt is just to keep pushing the needle when it comes to uh, student learning and achievement. And what we know, what the research shows and states is that it you can't do that in a vacuum. No longer is it just simply one teacher and and his or her uh, group of students, but instead we're looking at uh, communities getting together to think about student data, student performance, modifying, adjusting, thinking about that triad of curriculum instruction assessment and how do we keep going back and forth and being guided by data. So we've been super intentional about investing in the development of real authentic professional learning communities. Uh, the next initiative, our, our fourth one uh, that we launched year one was all about curriculum adoption. And so when we talk about that, that triad again of curriculum instruction and assessment, we want to make sure we have, we have 19 beautiful learning communities. And we want to make sure that from school to school and from classroom to classroom, teachers are equipped with, with strong research-based guaranteed and viable curricula. Uh, so we've invest, invested heavily, millions of dollars over the first couple of years uh, in top-notch research-based uh, curriculum uh, in the areas of ELA, uh, mathematics, and we're continuing to develop uh, in the upcoming future in, in social studies and science as well. And then in the final initiative uh, that we implemented out the gate was, was our Apple integration, technology integration. And we know that we preached, this is even pre-pandemic, you know, everybody now has shifted, they've shifted their systems to a virtual perspective. But prior to that, thank goodness before that, we invested heavily uh, in our technology integration. We've We've embraced uh, a really amazing partnership with, with Apple. Uh, we've deployed Apple. To, every kid in our community has a beautiful Apple device, uh, along with peripheral pieces to help with that teaching and learning experience. Uh, every teacher is equipped with, with an iPad, uh, a MacBook, uh, a way to stream in their classroom, whether it's through an Apple TV uh, or some type of stream casting uh, opportunity. But, but Apple integration is really important. Technology integration is really important. We, we are preparing kids for to solve problems that we don't we don't even know exist and we know that technology uh, is the way to do that and so we've doubled down on our investment uh, again even pre-pandemic to make sure that our students have access to not just technology but when we talk about Apple we're talking about the best technology that's on the market and so we're super super excited about that initiative uh, and again when we talk about technology, sometimes that's where the buck may stop in other communities, but we also, we've coupled that with some really strong, authentic professional learning to make sure that our adults uh, not only have these beautiful devices, but know how to use them in a way to really augment the teaching and learning experience that they encounter with their students. Yes, Dr. Boyce, um, I just wanted to let you know, it really sounds like you put your resources where it's going to matter most. And so that's really noticeable in so many things that you're doing. And I, I just want you to recognize how passionate you are when you talk yeah. about all of these things. And one of the things that I want to land on, because I, I want to like unpack this a little bit for the people in South Phoenix and those that are listening, Tell me a little bit, because you restructured the district as well, and then you also put a leadership team in place, which also is very critical to the success of the Roosevelt School District. Can you talk about what you were thinking about when you restructured, and what are some of the components that you put in place to ensure that you had a dynamic team in order to support the endeavors? Great question. So for me, when I, when I arrived, um, 
in addition to just kind of surveying the community and looking at what what's the current state. Uh, again, context matters. So what we're doing right now in Roosevelt has been tailored uh, for our community. It's been tailored to the things that we do well. It's been tailored to the opportunities that have been uh, identified. Uh, and again, like strong organizations require strong leaders. So after spending some initial time, again, just understanding current state and landscape, for me, I knew the only way we we're going to be able to do this work is if we had a talented leadership team uh, and we had a really strong superintendent's executive team. And so with the support of the governing board, uh, I did have the chance to look at our leadership team that was in current place when I arrived and used some of those existing positions to reclassify them uh, to create new positions. So the awesome thing, you know, whenever whenever you talk about new positions, really just being very, very financially conscious. So for, for my endeavor, I wanted to be cost neutral, if not savings. And we we actually saved money uh, when I took the existing positions and, and turned them into new positions. I wanted to look at the gaps. And so two, two, of, the, two of the gaps uh, that I was able to identify within the community after spending some time researching was one, there was such an opportunity for increased uh, student learning and achievement. You know, that was a big one. That was something that I knew very well even prior to coming into Roosevelt, being on the receiving end uh, in the high school system that our students feed into. Like I knew that there was an opportunity to really push the needle when it came to student learning and achieving at Roosevelt. That was one. The second big opportunity uh, was declining enrollment. And so when I think about, you know, we covered three zip codes, 85040, 41 and 42. Uh, and over time, there's been a number of other different options that have that have developed for parents to consider when it comes to sending their children to school. And so over time, we have witnessed a decrease in enrollment. And so for me, coming into Roosevelt, uh, I knew that was an opportunity. Uh, and while you know I want parents to have choice and figure out what's best for them, like I strongly believe uh, that Roosevelt, our community, we can provide the best experience for our kids right here in our neighborhood. But there's some things that we have to do. Um, and that kind of goes hand in hand with the student learning and achievement. So knowing those two were gaps that I wanted to make sure I was really hyper-focused on and increasing student learning and achievement and increasing student enrollment, I looked at the structure of the existing leadership team when I arrived and I, I reclassified, I changed some positions around. Uh, I took four positions that existed prior to and converted them into three new positions. Uh, so one position is an executive director of teaching and learning. Another position is an executive director of leadership and learning. Uh, and the final position uh, that you occupy, uh, Dr. Ramos, is the executive director uh, of innovation and learning. And so for me, even like nomenclature is important. By having learning in all three of those positions, it highlights the fact that learning isn't just something that one person is responsible for. Um, learning is an endeavor that we all have to push in to make sure we're moving in that direction. So that was really important, even just the actual titles and the nomenclature of those positions and having learning uh, as a part of all three of those new positions. When you look at teaching and learning, that, that was pretty self-explanatory. The, the hyper focus of thinking about curriculum, thinking about professional learning, uh, that position was really all about, about that. Um, leadership and learning, that position was all about going back to the initiative that was rolled out, like how do we create an amazing intentional program for aspiring leaders but at the same time you know how do we support our existing leaders in a way to move them forward that was really important uh and then innovation innovation and learning it kind of speaks for itself you know i wanted to how do we do teaching and learning different how do we do school differently you know so schools were in the sense that we're familiar with i mean when they were created 
Tyak is a great author from back in the day. Like schools were created uh, really to, to, to get our country prepared for an industrial re revolution. Uh, and so we've moved away from this factory, you know, this factory reality that the, the modern public school was created to serve. We don't, we don't exist in that space anymore, but the irony is a lot of our schools still operate in the same antiquated and dated system. Uh, and so the innovation and learning position, that opportunity was really, let's think different. Let's think, let's look at research. Let's look at how, how we learn. Uh, let's, let's think about the future workforce and how do we start to think differently about school uh, to create new and exciting experiences for our students. So th those are the three positions um, that were created as a result of four old positions. Uh, after creating the positions, that's like 15% of the work. Uh, the rest of the lift is finding the dynamic people to do the work. Uh, and I've been super fortunate. Uh, so super excited that that we were able to connect. I love the way you think when it comes to innovation and learning and the work that you're doing around looking at signature schools and signature programs. And again, redefining what the school experience is uh, on each of our campuses is doing exactly what I mentioned before. How do we do school differently? Uh, we were able to, for our leadership and learning position, uh, we were able to take at the time uh, our our one of our highest our highest performing principals, Miss Meekin Gaston. She was just awarded as an exemplar principal in Maricopa County. Uh, she's been in our district for roughly eighteen years. Very uh, well respected. And she moved into that position, which you know, if we could end up getting every school to look like the school that she led, as far as the culture and the climate and the academic performance, uh, that is only going to benefit you know, all 8,000 of our kids. Uh, and then in teaching and learning, uh, we were able to find and select an amazing individual in Dr. Danny Portillo, uh, who has spent the better part of her journey uh, leading campuses successfully. Her her jam uh, is everything curriculum. So those, those are the new people that we brought on. Uh, and then we had three returning members of our executive team in business and finance, human resources and community engagement uh, that it demonstrated that they're amazing individuals prior to the, re the restructuring of our leadership team, that they have a heart for our community, that they're extremely talented. So it was really cool to see a team where we had three returning, three brand new, um, and just to watch us as a, as a, a seven-headed monster. Uh, we oftentimes refer to ourselves as the Avengers come together with our unique talents, but our, 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 our same dedication for our community and do really some pretty cool work in a short amount of time. Yeah, and I, I think you said something that's so important is having some experience on the team because you did have four individuals in this role for the first time and then you had three people who were already here so that there was that sense of continuity. But I'm so impressed by the level of ownership by each of the executive directors. And I do wanna hone in on something that you said. You talked about like what your focus was on student learning and achievement, number one, and then also, um, you know, how do we increase enrollment because we know that it's declining. And so all of those are really, really critical, but there's something that this district does that's really different. And on Tuesdays, one of the things that I recognize is time is set aside for the district executive team to go out into the community. Can you talk a little bit about um, the activities that we participate in on Tuesdays? Absolutely. Thank you for for asking. So I remember when I made this. Sh so every shift is such a different shift. Going from classroom to campus level administration, um, 
was a big was a big jump and just so different. And then going from campus level administration to the district office where now you're making decisions that impact not just your school as a principal or your classroom as a teacher. You're in a position where you're making decisions that impact your entire district. So however many schools you have, in our case, we're looking at 19 learning communities. Decisions we make impact 19 learning communities. When I first made the move to the district office, uh, I quickly realized how easy it is to become out of touch with what happens at a school campus. Yet you're making these decisions that impact every school campus. So one of the things that I've started within our team uh, is that every Tuesday morning, so we took our 19 schools and we have our, our seven executive team members. We took our 19 schools and we divvied them up. So each executive team member uh, has adopted anywhere between three to four schools anywhere between two to four schools. And the idea is those are your home schools. So every Tuesday, executive directors, leadership team members, you know, we, we don't come to the office. We start our day uh, on a campus at one of our campuses that we've adopted for the year. And that was done for a couple of different reasons. The first reason was really just to make sure we don't fall out of touch with what's happening on a campus. Again, super easy to fall fall out of touch with reality as we work in our district office every day. So I want us to be present and engaged at the campus level. Walking hallways, developing authentic relationships, hearing what's working, hearing what's not working. So we can bring that back to our table and talk through like, what are the opportunities? What are some things we're doing well as it's coming directly from the field? What are some things that aren't working well as it comes directly from the field? So getting on a campus every day at minimum, or every Tuesday at minimum rather, it ensures that we stay connected. The second thing is just to develop some real authentic relationships with those schools that we that we adopt. I told our team that by the end of the year, you know, the schools that you you adopt, they should know who you are. You, you should know the teachers at that school. They should have an authentic relationship with you. Um, and that's really important. Uh, it, it helps to show that Again, we we want to we want to be a part of the ethos of the community. We want to be a part of the fabric of our schools that we adopt. We want to be engaged. We want to be present. And so when we go on Tuesdays, you know, we're walking classrooms. We're hanging out with kids. We're pushing in with our administrators. And again, not from an I, I gotcha or a policing perspective, but like a like I'm a member of this community. Uh, and that's been that's been very cool. It's been very cool to help us forge some real relationships with our site level administrators. Uh, they know that at least once a week, you're gonna have somebody from district on your campus, rolling up sleeves, looking for a way to support, helping to troubleshoot or solve a problem, uh, you know, or just hanging out, whether it be recess or lunch duty. Uh, we're, we're really trying to build some, some authentic relationships. And, and quite frankly, Tuesday mornings is probably one of my favorite times of the week, uh, because again, we get to be around be around kids uh, during conventional times. We get to be around um, administrators and teachers who are right there every day working with kids. And you've also built a relationship with the committee over like a couple of years as well, because it's my understanding that a strategic plan was developed and you had a relationship mm -hmm. with each member on this committee. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk a little bit about like, what did you go through in order to develop that strategic plan? And then if you could tell me about like, what was the outcome? What was pivotal in developing that strategic plan? So when I, when I first got here, uh, again, it was really just trying to figure out context 
uh, and learn more about the community. And one of the things that I did learn and realize relatively quickly is that there, there was no strategic plan. And so when you, when you in any organization, if you want to be unified and move in the same direction and be super intentional about outcomes, so you're moving towards something that you've identified as opposed to just hoping that something good will happen at the end, you, you have to have a plan in place. And so I was very encouraged, uh, the governing board, you know, made the initial call that we need to work on a strategic plan. I arrived roughly at about the same time uh, and I was super excited to, to move that work forward. And I've been a part of strategic plans in other organizations before uh, where it, it didn't feel as authentic. It was more about like, we need to get to an outcome. So we have a nice pretty slogan or mission and vision statements, a couple of goals that ultimately end up being decoration uh, on walls. You know, so we have some really nice slogans that end up in picture frames around the community. And for me, I, I definitely did not want that to be the outcome for Roosevelt. I wanted to make sure that we created a collab, we had a collaborative process for creating a strategic plan that would guide this district for the next five years that every stakeholder had buy-in, which meant it, it couldn't be something that we just pushed down from the top and told everybody, this is what our strategic plan um, was. And as a result of wanting this particular outcome of a real authentic plan uh, that was developed with community, it took a year to do it. Uh, we, we went through a four-phase process. Uh, we started by, by creating a strategic plan steering committee. And that, that committee was, was made of, of everyone from community members to district level leadership, governing board, site level administration, uh, support staff, teachers, students, parents, our education association. We had everybody um, a part of this group. And, and they were, for the most part, that one unifying force that was a part of the entire year-long journey. Uh, so we, we assembled that group. Uh, and after assembling that group, we, we launched the process. We had an initial kickoff, uh, which was our first phase. Uh, our second phase, we went through a comprehensive uh, needs assessment. And so we went through surveys and interviews and small group conversations and focus groups. Uh, we, we partnered with West Ed to do the actual plan. Uh, they, they did an assessment of a lot of our, our, our documents from uh, our curriculum, our governing board policies. And that whole phase two was all about really figuring out based on interviews and documents, so what, what does Roosevelt currently do well? And what are the gaps in our community? That was all stage two. Phase two was just figuring out the current state of our district, both good, bad, and ugly. Uh, and we did it. And, and it, was, it was amazing because we highlighted some really cool things that we do, which we were, we were aware of, but it highlighted you know, some of the things that we needed to work on which we all knew before, but to have it articulated in one space was powerful uh, because it didn't matter if you talk to a teacher, a parent, a community member, the things that we needed to work on, like there were some emerging themes that rang consistent, no matter who you talk to, which is actually good. So that was phase two. Uh, phase three was all about, so thinking about what we just uncovered in our comprehensive needs assessment, phase three was all about starting to build a plan. So thinking about where we wanna go and then building a plan to help bridge us from the current state that we identified in our needs assessment and the ideal state, which is where we wanna be five years from now. And so we started building the plan in phase three and now we're currently in stage four. Stage four is all about now starting to implement the plan, which again is where sometimes uh, organizations fall off 
they may do some type of work around you know what's what's good and what needs work they may develop a plan but then again it may stop there and so we're now currently in that fourth phase which is all about implementing the plan uh and and again we we've, we've we've identified new core values uh which is powerful we want to be a values driven organization we've identified a brand new mission statement a brand new vision statement uh, we have four goals that we've identified that we want to do the work in and so i'm excited because uh now we, we just recently adopted this plan uh, in the past couple of months and so now we're in that space where it's all about getting the word out about our strategic plan both internally and externally uh i i've joked that people are going to be inundated with the words of our plan because again i want it to be a living and evolving piece uh and and as we as we go and inform our community about our new plan then we move into now execution um just because we want to make sure that in 5 years when we look back we've made we've made the appropriate progress just to move our district forward is there like a specific area of the strategic plan that you think is the highlight and then um how do you plan to um roll that out to the stakeholders you very cool so when i think about so we have our so the funny thing is i'm in love with all parts of it so i love our, our i love our core values uh which is great we spend so much time creating our statements and our mission and vision statements um and again words matter so we're really intentional about it uh and then the, the fourth the four our four goals uh, i think about you know so the first goal is all about quality schools and it really flushes out you know what it is we want to do like the reason why we're here uh at the end of the day is to change lives through education and so in that particular goal of quality schools we identify how important it is and the work that we want to do to make sure that our students are receiving a top notch experience so that we can make sure when they leave Roosevelt they're ready for high school uh, as opposed to this this former idea of hoping hoping they do well when they leave us um so the quality school piece for me it just really resonates because it's why we're here uh the other three are really great um accessories to understanding how that happens you know and so sometimes in a vacuum what i've learned in my professional career is that it's so easy to get hyper focused on just the teaching and learning but if you don't have all the necessary components you're you're not going to have an amazing experience for kids or adults you know so when i look at our second goal it's all about you know making sure we're empowering and we're recruiting and we're retaining talented people to work in this district i want the best adults working in front of our beautiful young people um you know our third goal is all about community and parent engagement uh, again going we we talk about this this moniker that it takes a village and so we we've identified that as one of our goals and then the final one is all about safe and responsive uh learning environments and so we again all all of those are so necessary to have quality schools so when we think about the experience uh people typically tend to distill education down to just teaching and learning you know what we know is that there's so many other things that go into creating a phenomenal experience so while we're here for teaching and learning we also wanted to make sure that we fleshed out everything from working with parents to working with community to having amazing cutting edge learning spaces um to attracting and retaining the best people possible when you do all of that you know then you have quality schools can you tell us a little bit about like virtual learning and we're going to go ahead and like you know bring it home and conclude um on on this topic but virtual learning happened in Roosevelt School District um like it didn't happen in other areas and let me go ahead and like share that i had a 
podcast about a month ago where I talked with four teachers from Roosevelt School District, and they talked with so much passion, so much excitement about being able to reach their kids um, because they had these Apple devices, one-to-one iPads, and they were able to use Zoom and they were able to like screen record and they had a new learning management system. And it seemed like there were so many tools that you provided um, in order for them to like, you know, be successful with virtual learning. So can you talk a little bit about that? What's going on in the field? And talk about um, why you feel like um, Roosevelt School District in South Phoenix was able to um, activate such a, an initiative. So I, I couldn't be more proud of our community. So we, you know, we had the foresight uh, prior to the, the current pandemic that we're navigating uh, to really double down on technology. And so we, we've invested heavily in, in, in cutting edge devices and Apple products for, for not only our students, but our adults as well. And so when, when schools closed here in Arizona uh, in the spring, spring of 2020, so we're three quarters uh, into the 1920 academic year and schools were forced to close. We were in a good place because we had invested uh, in some amazing technology for, for both our students and our adults. We made a, we made a, a decision to deploy those devices home. Uh, and then we, we, we wanted to figure out like, how do we help our students not miss a beat when it came to teaching and, to teaching and learning uh, and engaging in just a virtual experience. And for like every other district and probably every other city uh, in this country in, in the spring of, of 2020, everything was so new. Uh, our, our system, our infrastructure uh, wasn't ready for a pandemic. So it required us to, to be extremely nimble uh, and, and pivot unlike anything we've had to respond to before. And we did. And, and that, that was the thing that was most amazing. So we we farmed out and made sure that every student while at home, starting in the spring, had a beautiful device. Uh, and then the next thing became making sure they could get connected to the internet. Uh, and again, I, I've, I've said this before, I believe, I believe access to high-speed, reliable internet uh, is a right. It should not be a luxury. We, we realized that the students and families we serve, so many of them, did not have access to, to the internet. So with the help of our community partners, through grants, through funding, uh, we've been working nonstop to close this digital divide. Uh, and again, we started that work back in the spring. As we, as we, when we realized that the pandemic was gonna last for some time and it wasn't just going to go away, uh, over the summer, we, we did a lot of work. Like many school districts, we survived the spring of 2020 because it, the pandemic came out of nowhere. But as we closed the, the 1920 academic year, we, we made a commitment that we were gonna think in the future, uh, we're gonna double down on investment and we're gonna prepare for the uncertainty of whatever the 2020, 2021 year would bring, knowing that we're navigating a pandemic that, that doesn't have an expiration, an immediate expiration date. One of the amazing things uh, that happened within our community, led by your team, uh, as we developed uh, an online academy, I am RSD uh, online. And we knew that we wanted to create a, a, a fully digital academy so that we could support our community going forward. The, the pandemic unveiled uh, a gap in what education was and that identified an opportunity and we seized it. And so typically when you apply in Arizona, 
to launch a new virtual school, it could be a process that takes the better part of a couple of years. It's a, it's a, I, I had the, the benefit of, of, of embarking on that journey in my previous district. Uh, and we took two years to launch a virtual academy. And when the pandemic hit here in Roosevelt and we saw that as an opportunity, uh, we did the work in what, what, what felt like two weeks. Again, shout out to you and your team um, because we we identified it was a gap, there was a need, and we we worked really, really hard to be able to bring that resource to our community. So we're able to launch that and get that approved at the state level, which again was was done in record and phenomenal time. Uh, over the summertime, we also, again, prepping for an uncertain 2021 academic year, took some of the some of the learning that we had back in the spring when schools were forced to close to really be super authentic and providing a, a suite of professional learning experiences for our teachers. Uh, for so many of our teachers, this shift to fully virtual was something that was was brand new. So it didn't matter if you were a 10, 20 year vet. This is something that made you feel like a first year teacher, uh, made you feel like a first year administrator. We, we were doing teaching and learning in a totally new context that we hadn't witnessed before. And so we spent the summer creating uh, a menu of different prefer- professional learning opportunities for our teachers and our leaders to feel more comfortable with engaging in virtual learning. Again, not knowing how long we would need to be in the space. So when you think about the shift that we did as an institution, a community uh, that in the not too distant history wasn't equipped um, for the type of virtual learning that we're doing, wasn't equipped for even just having the type of technology on campuses when we could convene people in record time, uh, the infrastructure that was developed by our community was was mind blowing. That coupled with the professional learning uh, that we organized and the commitment of our educators to be uncomfortable, to figure it out because they knew it was for, for our kids. I, 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 am, I am beyond grateful. Uh, I am beyond grateful that we're now uh, several months into the 2021 academic year because of the context of our community, uh, virtual learning is still currently the safest space for us to be in. And we have teachers, we have administrators, we have families that are engaging every day in this virtual learning experience. Uh, every every student has a beautiful device. Every, every teacher, every educator has multiple beautiful devices. We've worked with our community partners and businesses work of your team. We've closed that digital divide to make sure our families are indeed connected to the internet. Uh, and we're quite, we're quite frankly making history. Uh, we're pushing against deficit perspectives. We're changing the norm. Uh, and we are really figuring out how to engage in this new experience. Uh, and, and we're doing some phenomenal work that I would imagine not a lot of people would have guessed would have happened right, right out of little old South Phoenix and little old Roosevelt. You know, we, we are clearly a leader uh, in innovation and in this whole virtual learning experience. So I'm super excited to be a part of this community. The formula for success right here in Roosevelt, what I heard you talk about today is first and foremost, you started with some goals um, as a first year superintendent and where you saw that we could grow. You saw that we could grow in the area of customer service, customer experience, leadership, professional learning communities, curriculum, and Apple integration. And then I heard you talk about a strategic plan that was developed by the stakeholders. And what they came up with is four goals, focus on quality schools, recruiting talented teachers, um, community and parent engagement, 
and then safe and responsive learning environments. And then you didn't stop there. You know, through this um, school closure, the, the worldwide pandemic that we are all experiencing, you knew that we had the capacity because you invested in technology. Although our infrastructure wasn't ready um, for a worldwide pan pandemic, um, we pivoted and pivoted quickly. We made sure that kids were connected to the internet and we did everything that we could to gather resources in order to support the community. Um, in addition, we developed an online academy um, and we made sure that the professional learning was put in place in order to support the teachers um, over the course of um, the summer. And so having said all of that, is there anything else that you would like to share as a last word with the community? All of that was done through this lens of love. So I say it all, like, I, I, I love our community. Uh, I love our, our employees for loving our students and our families. Uh, I believe in the cliche that organizations move at the speed of trust. And so for me coming into this community, it was really important to develop trust. It was really important to develop relationships. Uh, and it was really important to be super articulate that I wanna be here that I love it here and that I love our people. And I think it was only because of that that we've been able to do seven years worth of work in what in, in two years uh, while navigating a worldwide pandemic and proving the doubters wrong. Uh, Roosevelt, we have this mantra of being bold and it's something that we will never uh, back away from. We're here to change the narrative of our community we're here to fight for our families, fight for our students, fight for each other. And uh, we're here to change lives. I'm excited to be here. Um, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate your work. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. Thank you.